Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Study Faithfully podcast. My name is Sandy and of course I'll be your host again. I hope you guys had an amazing week and I just want to thank you all for the support that I've been getting thus far. I'm just trusting God through it all. So I just wanted to thank you guys again for listening and tuning in. Last week, we spoke about the seven reasons why we should study our Bibles. If you haven't listened to that yet, you can always go back and do so. But on this episode, we'll be talking about some Bible basics, what it is, when it was written, who wrote it, and some other great stuff. I pray that you can learn something new from this and prayerfully it inspires you to either start getting in the Word of God or to stay in the Word of God. Enjoy the episode. What is the Bible? At the most basic level, the term Bible comes from Greek and Latin terms, which means book. So it's basically a book, but we know that it's not just any other book. It is the Word of God. As we discussed last week, within Christianity, the Bible is a text where we gain insight into who God is, what we believe, and how we should live. It tells us about the life of Jesus and what he did to save humanity. It tells us the story of creation. It tells us about men and women of faith who believe God to move on their behalf and how God intends to use the church today. Ultimately, what a person believes about the Bible determines the rest of his or her faith. So what I mean by that is, if you're a believer and you don't believe the Bible is true or it has authority over your life, then you won't do what it says, and then that's going to affect your walk with God. But if you do believe the Bible is true and you believe it has authority in your life, then you'll see the fruit of that come to fruition in your walk with God. So the Bible contains 66 books within two testaments, the Old and the New Testaments. Before the New Testament specifically, they were found to be authoritative for the church through the process of canonization. The word canon in English comes from a Greek term that is defined as a measuring rod. So the early church leaders would meet in councils and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they would choose which books were deemed to be divinely inspired by God. When it comes to the canonization process, though it involved human leaders, the common belief among theologians is that God ultimately decided what books belonged in the Bible beforehand. So from the moment that God inspired each Bible author to write each book, it was already deemed to be authoritative for the church today. Now we're going to talk about who wrote the Bible. So as we know, God used about 40 different people to write the books of the Bible. These were ordinary people that God used, but... The only thing that made a difference was they actually wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God used people like Moses, David, Daniel, and John to pen the very words of the Bible. And because of their obedience, we have the word of God available to us today. All 66 books of the Bible were written over a span of about 1,500 years. The first and the oldest books in the Bible that were written are actually the books of Genesis and Job. And the last book written was the book of Revelation. Now, when it comes to the languages that the Bible was written in, it was written in three primary languages. That includes Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Ancient Hebrew was the primary language of the Israelites, so most of the Old Testament was penned in Hebrew. But there are also a few passages in the Old Testament that was written in Aramaic as well. For example, these passages could be found in the book of Genesis, Ezra, and Jeremiah. Aramaic was also the primary language that was spoken by Jesus and his disciples as well. Now, when it comes to the New Testament, some people think that it was written in Hebrew as well, but it wasn't because by the time the Gospels were written, many Jews didn't even speak Hebrew anymore. So because Rome had conquered Greece, the influence of Greek culture has saturated the empire. So the New Testament was actually written in Greek. 
specifically the common form of Greek, which is Koine Greek. When you open up your Bible, you'll notice that it's split into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The English word for testament comes from a Greek word that actually means covenant. And in Hebrew, it means agreement, covenant, or contract. So together, the Old and New Testaments make up the entire Bible. The Old Testament specifically contains the sacred scriptures of the Jewish faith, while Christianity draws both on the Old and New Testaments. We interpret the New Testament as the fulfillment of the prophecies from the Old Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. In total, there are 66 books, like I mentioned before, but they aren't placed in any specific order. So if you read the Bible from beginning to end, you're not necessarily reading it in order. But each testament could be divided up into sections. So, for example, in the Old Testament, the first five books from Genesis to Deuteronomy are considered the law or the Pentateuch. The next 12 books that follow from Joshua to Esther are considered the historical books. The five books after that, from the book of Job to the Songs of Solomon, are considered the poetical or wisdom books. And in the final section, the next 17 books from Isaiah to Malachi, they are considered the prophetic books. In the New Testament, the first four books from Matthew to John are considered the Gospels. The next book, the book of Acts, is considered a historical book. The 21 books that follow from Romans to Jude are considered epistles or letters. And the final book, the book of Revelation, is also considered an epistle, but it's more of like a prophetic book. So you might wonder what's the overall difference between the Old and the New Testaments. The Old Testament focuses on God's journey with his chosen people, the Israelites. The law is given and followed in the Old Testament, and it ultimately contains prophecies about the coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. But in the New Testament, the focus is on the actual coming of Christ and the establishment of the church. Um, Jesus is now the fulfillment of the Old Testament law and prophecies. And the goal of these books are to describe the life of faith, both presently and eternally. So now we're going to talk about five major beliefs that the Christian community has about the Bible in general. The first thing is that the Bible is inspired, and of course, we've talked about this. The Bible is God-breathed, as stated in 2 Timothy 3.16. God used human authors to pen the words of Scripture, but because they wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is an inspired word of God. 2 Peter also gives us another glimpse at what it means for Scripture to be inspired. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20-21 to 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. When Greek, the word used for carried along in this verse actually means to be moved inwardly, to be prompted in the mind. So this was the effect that the Holy Spirit had on the Bible writers. They were prompted to write the very words of God. The second belief is that the Bible is considered special revelation. When we go through the Bible, there are actually two types of revelation in Scripture. There's general revelation and there's special revelation. General revelation describes how God reveals himself through nature. We can see this in Psalms 19, for example. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. But special revelation describes how God reveals himself supernaturally. 
such as in dreams, visions, the Bible itself, and in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 16 through 17 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. God uses the Bible to reveal everything that humanity needs to know about him outside of nature and what he expects and what he has done for us. The third belief is that the Bible is infallible. To say the Bible is infallible, it means that it is free from error. It is entirely trustworthy. Because God himself is perfect, his word holds the same characteristic. For example, Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. The word used for perfect here in Hebrew means to be complete, to be whole, to be sound, and having integrity. Another example is Proverbs 35. It says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So to say God's word is proven true, it means that it has been tested. So ultimately, we can trust in his word. The fourth belief is that the Bible is sufficient. Through the Bible, we have all that we need to fully understand our faith and be equipped to live the Christian lifestyle. So we read the scripture before, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and now through 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Of course, we have the Holy Spirit to help enable us to live the actual Christian lifestyle. But through reading the Bible, engaging with the Bible, that's where we actually get a blueprint of how God actually wants us to conduct ourselves as Christians. And the fifth belief is that the Bible is effective. The Bible is effective because it has the power to produce God's desired results and outcomes in all matters. When we read Isaiah 55, 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my words that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word used for empty in Hebrew means in vain or without effect. But we can trust God that if he said in his word that he would do something, then he'll surely do it. I also want to remind you of one more scripture to encourage you that God does indeed keep his word. Numbers twenty three nineteen says, God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will not do or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? So nothing that comes from the mouth of God is said in vain. He's very intentional. And because he's intentional and he's pure in all of his ways, you can trust that he's going to keep his word. So now that we've gone through all of that, I just want to end this episode by summarizing the overall message of the entire Bible. If I could sum up the entire message of the Bible in a few verses, I would choose John 3 verses 16 through 17. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So the unfolding message of the Bible is really a message about God's plan to save his people for his glory. It's a message about God's character as a holy, righteous judge, a father, a creator of all things. It's about God's grace towards sinners who turn their back on him time and time again. But he continuously cares for us. He's patient with us. And he sent his son to save us so we can experience an abundant life forever. 
So you made it to the end of the episode. I just want to thank you for tuning in again. Thank you for your support. And as always, if you're not already following us on social media, you can follow us everywhere at Study Faithfully. You can also go to our website and check out some other cool stuff there at www.studyfaithfully.com. If you have any prayer requests or questions, you can reach out to us on social media or via email. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you here next week.